Anytime you bring a new baby into the world, it should be one of the most exhilarating times in your life. Full of hope, enthusiasm, and prosperity. However, the reality of birth defects and your child being born with one is a real possibility. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, birth defects affect every one and 33 babies born in the United States every year, which translates into approximately 120,000 babies. On an annual basis, the estimated hospital costs for adults with babies with birth defects total approximately $23 billion, not including outpatient care or any other provider charges. Gina Mundy is a mother of three kids and a lawyer specializing in childbirth cases. She's also the author of A Parent's Guide to a Safer Childbirth. As a brain injury attorney, she spent more than 20 years analyzing what's gone wrong in childbirth cases and how she can act as an ally for those families to make sure that they protect their legal rights and also to make certain that their child has an opportunity to live a meaningful, impactful, and important life, despite being born with a defect. She joined me this week to have a robust discussion on the importance of parents knowing what their rights are when their child is born, how they can protect themselves, and how we can make sure that these issues at birth are minimized from a legal practical and medical perspective. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited for today. Absolutely, as am I. And Gina, I know that you are an attorney that specializes in childbirth cases, and you're also the mom of three kids and the author of the book, A Guide to a Safer Childbirth. So tell me about the book, your kids, your law practice, and why you practice the type of law you do, and what makes you so fabulous. 
great question. It's pretty loaded, so I may be talking for a minute. But uh, I have three kids. I have two daughters. Uh, one's 19, one is 15, and then I have a nine-year-old son. And for the past 20 years, almost 21 years, I have been an attorney specializing in childbirth cases. So a child, a, a childbirth case is a case that involves the birth of a child when something goes wrong, whether it's a mistake, whether it's a complication, something happens and baby's not born healthy. And unfortunately, in some cases, baby um, may pass away before birth, may pass away after birth. And then in some very, very sad cases, I've had a mom that did not make it through childbirth. So my job as the attorney is to find out what happened during childbirth, what went wrong, why. And the most important question that I always have to address, what could have been done so baby would have been born healthy? Well, what could have been done so mom would be here to raise her baby? So those questions have taken me across the United States more than once in almost every state, almost every hospital system, meeting with doctors, nurses, midwives, and basically just analyzing and hashing out every aspect of labor and delivery. So based on this experience, um, of over 20 years, um, I wrote the book, A Parent's Guide to a Safer Childbirth. So instead of getting involved after a devastating mistake or complication or bad outcome, because really, you know, until now, that's about when I, when I become involved, I'm becoming involved before childbirth in hopes that we can prevent these mistakes, prevent these complications, and have more healthy babies. So, as I said, I have three kids. So this is the reason I wrote the book. Um, we, my niece was pregnant, and she was now having the first baby of the next generation. And we're a pretty tight family. She's been like a daughter to me. So she had a rough labor and delivery, and we went about 20 minutes without knowing if the baby was going to be okay. And that was, it was a very long 20 minutes, but I remember sitting there and I was listening to my sister cry while we waited for any information. And I just remember thinking, I'm like, this is what the families go through. This is what they go through. And it's, it was the worst feeling. It was the feeling of helplessness you're just waiting. And you know now that no decision now will change the past. You basically, you can just, you you hope and you pray. And luckily we got the news that baby was going to be okay. But that moment was such a, just a, it just changed, changed everything. It changed me to think, oh my gosh, what if I, what if I'm not here for the birth of my kids or mine, sorry, the birth of my grandkids? I still like to think I'm young, right? Uh, <laughs> so young, I have, oh wait, no, I have a 19 year old uh, and a 15 year old. So what, what, if, what if I'm not around for the birth of my grandkids? Wait a minute, I need my kids to know what I know because obviously my professional life has just revolved around labor and delivery. It's revolved around childbirth. And not only that, it's revolved around the scary part. The scary part no one really talks about. But I know things that many people don't. So I started writing. 
And I'm telling you, the minute I went from, you know, childbirth attorney to author with the intention on trying to help not only my family, but other families. I mean, it just all the information, all the lessons. I mean, it just came out. But, you know, not only did that come out, it was great therapy um, because I didn't realize how I had, you know, emotionally suppressed, you know, what had gone on in my cases for all these years. So the first three months of writing was a lot of crying as I went back, you know, rehashing these cases, these families, and just trying to figure out how I can make, you know, make this or help families make sure that they can have a safe delivery and, you know, their baby's going to be okay. So um, after three months of crying, a lot of clarity started to come. Um, those emotions definitely fueled me to, you know, write this book, write it the best I could. So it took about 14 months to write and that's it. Now it was published in June of this year, June, 2023. And now I am here talking about it. So that's that's probably a good me in a nutshell. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, Gina, I'm also uh, curious to ask you about, well, from a legal perspective, what do the parents need to know as they go into the childbirth process? Because, you know, for a lot of people, it's a, a joyous time of year. Uh, or a joyous vacation in their life. And I, I know uh, from my parents personally, I was uh, 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 an oops baby in the fact that, so Adina, I am an identical twin. So when I was born eons ago, my, my parents got a call from the doctor because my parents thought they were only having one kid uh, all those years ago, but the doctor called them and said, you're having twins. And they're like, yes. So what, what do you think parents need to know from a legal perspective when it comes to uh, childbirth and their rights? Because, you know, uh, my parents knew before I was born that I was going to be born with uh, cerebral palsy and all of the things that come along come along with that. So tell me, what do you think parents need to know from a legal perspective when it comes to childbirth cases? I think the important thing that they need to know is that they're the decision maker. Your team of doctors, nurses, whoever is on your delivery team, residents, when they are ever talking to you about your options, they are technically advising you. You, as mom, are making all of the final decisions. So for instance, you walk into labor and delivery or what the hospital, you, they can't start an IV, they can't start Pitocin, they can't do a C-section, they can't do anything without your approval. So that's, you know, that's probably the main thing is that, you know, this is your body, this is them telling you what they think is best with their medical opinion, which is based upon their training, their knowledge, their experience, and they're going to help guide you the best they can. But ultimately, you are the decision maker. And then in terms of, you know, even more specific with the legal rights, you know, it just really depends on what's what's going on. What's at issue that to really even you know address that question in the 
I know in the end, and this is what I deal with with the childbirth cases is, you know, if there is a mistake by some the delivery team or they don't guide you correctly or they give you bad advice and you follow their bad advice and something happens to your baby or, you know, in some cases something happens to mom, then yeah, you have legal rights then to come back against the hospital, the doctor, the midwife. Now, obviously, that my book is trying to prevent that. Um, but legal rights, you know, so I don't know if that exactly answers your question. I think if we're talking about childbirth, that there's something more specific on, you know, the, the topic. But just keep in mind, because that's an important thing, is that you are ultimately the decision maker. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one uh, a follow-up question I wanted to ask you about uh, in regards to legal rights, uh, you know, is the is the concept of paying for medical expenses or setting up a fund that would help uh, uh, families and parents pay for the medical expenses of that uh, child or children? So tell me, from uh, a legal perspective, how how much of a financial uh, view should parents? take if they know or if they're uh, uh, being educated on the birth defect of their uh, child. Right. So it would depend on the birth defect, what exactly it is. But let's just take this, you know, example that, you know, you have, for instance, a baby during childbirth and unfortunately the baby becomes injured at childbirth, we'll say maybe lack of oxygen but that's usually then an injury to the brain. And now the baby has a brain injury and is not going to be able to work in the future, um, care, care for themselves and whatnot. Now, depending on how bad that brain injury is, you know, this child could need skilled nursing. That is very, very expensive. We're still nursing the rest of their life. And but the brain injury is not too bad, you know, maybe the child could go into a group setting or group home setting or something like that. So it just depends, but I will tell you um, your legal rights. So if something does happen, it's determined that it was due to a mistake and that the hospital or the doctor or the delivery team are now you know, liable for that, then that's when we go into like the damages aspect of the case. And that is the cost to care for the infant um, the rest of their life. And those costs, as I just said, really can vary significantly. And now in terms of if it's just a birth defect that's genetic, then, you know, depending on how bad that defect is or how that impacts the child, yes, taking care of um, a child that cannot live independently or work you know, it does definitely bear um, a big cost. And there are different organizations um, that are out there to help these parents, um, you know, get through this financially. Um, there is a lot of assistance for, you know, these, these families if you can get out there and you have to find them. But they, I know they do exist. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Gina, I'm, I'm curious, for anyone that reads your book, what are the top three things that, you hope to take away from oh great question um so number one is you have to learn about childbirth you have to understand 
what you're walking into when you walk into the hospital and deliver your baby. You have to understand that you're the decision maker. You have to understand that um, there are there are certain facts and there are certain issues that can come up during labor and delivery um, that you know may cause problems. So there's learning about labor and delivery and childbirth is huge because when you have an understanding of the basics, now I'm not. I'm not saying don't you don't need to become a mini doctor, but if you have some understanding of the basics, it's going to help you make better decisions. And then not only that, you're going to have a heightened sense of awareness. It'll you know they'll activate your intuition and whatnot. So let me back up just a little bit. So chapter one of my book is um, all of the lessons from the baby cases. So these are lessons that you that are learned from the families, the delivery team, the medical experts, and there's 13 lessons. And then each lesson then is a subsequent chapter. So number one, the very, very first lesson basically is just what I said, learning about labor and delivery. So then you would go to chapter two of my book and it'll teach you about labor and delivery. It'll teach you about what I find to be important about labor and delivery, what I know as a childbirth attorney that helps me, you know, analyze my cases, or if I'm talking to a mom that's in labor and delivery, um, you know, th these are the facts that I rely on. So with that said, I would say then lesson, another lesson that is very important um, is understanding your delivery team before you go to the hospital. Keep in mind that your delivery team at the hospital um, likely consists of people who have to work that day. So these are not people that you know. Unlike your doctor who manages your pregnancy, you go to the doctor's office for nine months, you're familiar with the office staff. When you go into the hospital, these are people you likely will be meeting for the very first time. These people have a very important job. They are responsible for bringing your baby safely into this world. And in my legal cases, it's their care that's at issue. And it's the part of the case that's analyzed more than any other aspect of the case. So chapter four goes over the delivery team, everything you need to know, which is huge. And then probably the other part is chapter 11. Chapter 11 covers the top 10 most common issues and mistakes in childbirth cases. Again, if you know this information, this is going to help you make better decisions. This is going to help activate your intuition. And when you know things like the most common fact in a legal baby case is a drug called Pitocin, which makes mom contract. Now you know Pitocin and mistakes can go hand in hand. So it's not like saying, okay, doctor, I'm going to, yes, I agree to an induction. Let's do Pitocin. And that's it. No, you're going to want to learn about Pitocin. You're going to want to learn. So in chapter 14 of my book, the very, very last chapter covers Pitocin. And because I've seen them Pitocin inductions gone wrong since February 2003, you know, at the end of the chapter, it has, you know, your 14 tips for a safe Pitocin induction. So I know that's a little bit, I'm trying to 
<laughs> take that question and, and put the whole book into it. Um, but, you know, just learning those lessons that I extracted um, that are listed in chapter one. And actually, I find these lessons to be so incredibly important from the baby cases that I actually have them on my website for free. Chapter one is on my website for free. At least it's a 20 minute read. Parents can go through and see and learn about these lessons from the childbirth cases. Um, and then, yeah, so that's, that's probably, I think I hit three things, maybe more, um, on the, uh, what the good takeaways from the, uh, the book would be. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that thorough, uh, explanation. And, uh, Gina, as you said, you've been through this for uh, more than two decades now. So I, I'm fascinated to ask you from your perspective, What's the most fascinating part of your job, and what have you learned most about, about dealing with the emotions of people throughout this experience of your career? Um, that is that is a hard question because what I do is hard. Um, from an emotional standpoint, like I talked about, it is emotionally has taken a toll on me. Little did I know I had, I had suppressed these emotions. Um, but I'll tell you, after I wrote the book, just mentally, mentally felt a lot better. Um, but for me, um, when I got my first case, February 2003, I remember looking at that case and I remember that I used the word fascinating because I didn't know if it was the right word because I was looking at a case where baby was not born healthy, but that's not fascinating. What's, what is though is going back and piecing together what happened. But not only that, what could have been done differently? What should have been done? And then to take those questions and then travel and I, geez, I used to travel, oh, sometimes three times a week. And just finding out from these doctors, what happened, why? But then, probably the more fascinating part was then when I was having my kids. After this, and, and I knew what was good. I knew what was bad. And not only that, people started to understand that I, I, was, I had this different knowledge base that most people don't. Because not many people just focus on the bad, th the mistakes, the complications. So it, the good stories that are in the book, because I, you know, some people have been like, this is a very scary topic, but there are some really good stories in the book because people have called me asking me questions. Gina, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. This is what my doctor is saying. Do I follow my doctor? Do I not? And it's in the book, chapter seven. Sometimes I'm like, do not listen. You know, I would not, I, if it was me, that's not what I would do. And I would give them maybe a different a different path, or this is what I would do. I'm not a medical doctor. I cannot give medical advice. So usually if I'm talking, I'm like, well, this is what I would do if, if I was in a very similar situation. And they can obviously get it from there. So the, just, the fascinating part is just going back and you know just understanding, too, that there's just common issues, common facts, and almost that until now, I mean, it's really not been out there. Yeah, and you know, let's uh, talk for a moment of helping parents deal with the emotional uh, part of your job and helping them realize the reality that their child is going to be 
going through this for the first time about managing the emotions of what to expect when their child enters the workplace. So there's a, I think a big difference with what, you know, I do in a, a birth defect. I mean, a birth defect is something that's, you know, it's naturally occurring um, or could be for some other reason. You gotta remember with the families that I'm dealing with believe that, you know, it was a mistake or complication that took their baby or caused injury to their baby. So those are the families that I deal with and I, or I deal with that I talk to and their, their pain is you have the pain of already losing a child. And that is pain. I cannot imagine ever, but when it's due to something preventable, it's a pain that it's almost like they have like a, they're just mad because it shouldn't have been that way. And whether sometimes I've seen them like feel guilty, they, they know so much in the aftermath of something bad happening. You know, they know a lot more than they did stuff that I know that they wish they would have known before birth, but they only learn later. So there, you can't prepare for losing a baby or having your baby injured because of a, it's, it's impossible. I can't even think of it. And so the stories I have had to hear on what these families have had to endure. And you have to remember, it's not just mom. It's not just dad. It's the grandparents. It's the friends. It's the delivery team. It's everybody. It's the, the pain is unimaginable. Um, you know, for more of a, a birth defect and that's your path that maybe, you know, that's your God given path. That one is, you know, that's, that's something that's harder for, you know, me to address because those aren't the ones I, I see. And those aren't the families that I talk to. So it's harder. You know, I would, if it was me, I would accept it and be just very grateful that I had a baby and whatnot. But I deal kind of with something a little bit different. Um, if you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, I also wanted to ask you about some of the most common sort of uh, childbirth defects that you have seen, and um, what other steps do you think that are being made to sort of prevent these issues from happening? What sort of progress have we made in your estimation? So I'm going to say, I'm going to call it, let's talk about the most common facts and issues in a legal baby case. Do you want to talk versus the birth defect? Can I, you want to do that? Is that? Sure, absolutely. Okay. We can do that. that yeah. That's what I'm really good at <laughs> is, is knowing what after 20, over 20 years of doing these cases, that's, that's my, that's what I know. So like I just said, Pitocin is the number one issue. When I get a new case in, Pitocin is always mentioned in the records because mom is always coming in to be induced um, at you know however many weeks and then the Pitocin induction start. So now we know that if mom is having a, any type of Pitocin that, hey, 
you know, be, there might be problems associated with this. You need to be careful. But other ones that are more are, are interesting that um, that I would pick up on early on is um, a mom's water breaking. So prior to mom's water breaking, everything always seems fine. Everything's fine. There are very few cases where they happen, anything happens before mom's water breaks. Very few and far between. So when a mistake is made, a complication arises, it's always after mom's water breaks. And if you think about it, you know, babies in the uterus, surrounded by amniotic fluid, they have their lifeline, their umbilical cord, and their placenta, and they're just cozy and happy. <clears throat> and then for the first time, the water breaks, so the fluid they're floating in, or maybe they're not floating anymore, but the fluid now drains out. And the uterus changes, and there's changes inside the uterus. So those changes can make, you know, the baby more vulnerable to something happening. So what's the important lesson from that? If the doctor wants to break your water, you need to ask the doctor why. Is there a medical reason to break my water? Or is or do you want to be home for dinner? You know, you have to find out why they want to break your water. So a good, I guess, preventative measure or whatnot would be just not to say okay, but ask why. And beyond that, it's hard to really say how to prevent or whatever, because every single mom and every single patient in labor, they're all, everyone's different. So it really just depends on each individual patient. Um, but that's, you know, that's an important question. And then the third one that's actually pretty common, a super busy labor and delivery unit. You gotta remember, labor and delivery units where babies are born are different than a surgery center. A surgery center, for instance, where they're gonna have scheduled surgeries with scheduled staff at 8.30, 9.30, 10, 12, whatever it is. Labor and delivery is, boom, a bunch of babies just decided to be born and there are busier months. You know, in Michigan, they tell me the busy months are May, June, and July. Um, so all of a sudden, and there's also busy times of the day. So mornings are very late morning is a very busy time on labor and delivery. So you just have all of these people or, you know, moms come out, coming in who are like, I need help, I'm in labor, I need this. And they can overwhelm a labor and delivery unit pretty quick. So that means you have a staff that's running hard, and not only are they running hard, but they're thinned out. And so some moms may not get the attention they need, and unfortunately that is when a mistake or complication can occur. Now my book addresses this. This is why you cannot just go into labor and delivery without knowing anything. You have to know things. Because if your doctor or nurse or whoever, they're running around hard, then you're like, wait a minute. If you have to know if the baby's not doing okay. And you got to remember, baby is inside you. So how do you know baby's doing okay or not doing okay? Well, there's really the best way to do that is the baby's heart rate. And they know that at the hospital. And that's why the baby's heart rate actually graphs next to your bed. 
It graphs at the nurse's station. Most doctors can look at it remotely um, to see how baby's doing. Basically, I can look at the baby's heart rate on something called a fetal monitor, and I can tell you if the baby is a rock star, and I can tell you if the baby's in trouble. So as a parent, wouldn't, wouldn't you want to know that? I mean, I've had doctors testify that the only way a doctor can talk to the baby, the only way the doc, only way the baby can talk to the doctor is through their heart rate, which means if your mom, if you're the dad, if your grandma expect the expecting grandma, if you know how to interpret that baby's heart rate, your baby, your soon to be baby's heart rate, you're gonna know if your baby's okay. Don't you want to know that if you have a staff that's running hard? Mm -hmm. So in my book, there is actually a, a really sad case and the family didn't understand the significance of the baby's heart rate. And it's a sad case. I'm very general with it, but it was a labor and delivery unit that was running hard, eyes off mom for a little bit. And unfortunately the baby passed away. If mom would have known how important that heart rate really was, she could have, she could, they could have alerted the doctors. They could have done something. And listen, looking at a baby's heart rate, just to say, is baby doing good or is baby doing bad is not rocket science. I know the medical community does not want anyone else to be interpreting the heart rate besides them. But listen, I'm a non-medical person and I can look, like I said, and tell you if baby is good or baby is not good. So, you know, it's just stuff like that. You got to... And so if you walk into a busy labor and delivery unit, there's some other things that you have to know. If you're on Pitocin and the unit gets busy, how do you know if your baby doesn't like the Pitocin? How do you know if, if, if it's not doing well in response to it? You look at their heart rate. And if you see a contraction and a baby's heart rate, and your baby's heart rate goes down with the contraction, bad. There you go. All, they're on, all you have to do is get the nurses and doctors involved and they're on it. But sometimes in a busy unit like that, they they just can't give you that attention. So you, if you know, you can alert them, boom, they're right there. Because if they know your baby's in trouble, you are priority. Mm -hmm. You are definitely priority over the patient who may have stalled out in labor and now needs a C-section. They're gonna hit, they're gonna go to you first. They're gonna go get they're gonna go help your baby that's in trouble you know, versus um, the baby who's okay, but mom's just not make mom's just stalling out labor. Yeah, absolutely. It's important to uh, know your rights. And uh, Drina, I'm fascinated to ask you about, for anyone that wants to enter this field of law as a career, I'm fascinated to ask you, what, what sort of advice would you give them? Because it's a highly stressful job, but it can also be highly emotional and rewarding at the same time. So uh, I wonder if you can tell me about the stress of your own individual job and the pieces of advice you would want to give to anyone considering this field of law as a career. Um, get a therapist. <laughs> Probably seriously, my, my, my one recommendation. I wish I had gotten one. Um, no. So as I said, I, I bottled my emotions up. Listen, I'm a human. I'm a mom. I care about people. Yes. 
is this an adversarial proceeding? These childbirth cases, it is. But I'm I'm still human, and when I have to, when I did, when I talk with these families, it is it is very very hard. Now I do have a litigation switch, and if I'm talking, you know, if I'm deposing or cross examining an expert, you know, it, it's 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 a much different interaction. Trust me, I've been called atrocious on the record, but when it comes to families, it's it's very different. So as long as you can, or maybe you're just not as sensitive to it as me, um, I would find that hard to believe, especially if you're a mom and you have maternal instincts. Um, but just, you're going to have to have an outlet if you want to do this. Um, yeah, you know, unfortunately, I went the first 19 years um, not really having that. And I definitely, I definitely, uh suppress those emotions. Now they're gone. They're out. I, as a human feel, you know, I feel much better. Um, and if it's something that you want to do, I would start learning about it sooner than later. And here's the deal. You can get involved in this field. And if you don't like it, you, you know, it's easy to, you know, you just, you just go to a different job. So I did not know this field existed. I was supposed to be a, an attorney specializing in real estate. And I got out of law school and saw birth trauma job. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to have a baby soon. Let's, you know, let me see what this is about. And I was hooked. I did one case and, you know, I knew immediately this was my path. So there's been a lot of people in and out of my field in years. I mean, I've talked to associates who are like, I cannot do this. And whether they're going to go, you know, try to have a baby or whatnot, they're like, I, this cannot be my life. For some reason, I was always able to overcome that. Um, and, and whatnot. So you know, you can always my advice would be if you're considering it, try it. And if you don't like it, hey, there's a bunch of other fields that I'm sure you'd be great at. Yeah, absolutely. It's like uh, 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 testing on a flavor of ice cream, for a lack of a better analogy. There's a lot of flavors, <laughs> isn't there, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I also wanted to talk to you about the concept of uh, uh, creating a partnership between parents and how important it is to create a partnership and an understanding between the parents of their endless journey together and the importance, as you say, of knowing your rights ahead of the process. How important is it, do you think, to create partnerships and a unified unit together as parents and really developing relationships with the doctor and asking the questions and feeling comfortable at, uh, that no question is evasive because, you know, uh, this is their livelihood and this would be the life they're bringing into the world. So what's your uh, stance on creating uh, uh, collective partnerships and the importance of that? Huge. Absolutely huge. Light, it could change your life. So if you decide, you, you see the pregnancy test, you announce it to 
your spouse, hey, we're having a baby. From that minute on, you guys have to commit to do it together. And not only do it together, but do things that help each other. So, for instance, I have actually had a lot of dads read my book. Now, they leave the reviews. I know it's a dad. I feel like I'm reading in between the lines a little bit, but I'm like, why isn't mom reading my book? So, listen, my book is not scary. I was very, very sensitive to that. I had six pregnant um, beta readers. So, six, they went through my book. They were like, Gina, this is great. It's not scary. But I, you know, that's come up a couple of times. So, that's great. These dads are stepping up to the plate and they're learning everything they can to not only protect their baby, but to protect their wife. And that is huge. Talk about a great partnership. So it's not only working together, but it's making sure that everything you can do to make sure baby is safe happens. Listen, it mom, dad, expecting parents, so they're so excited. They're overwhelmed. They're going to have a baby. Life is great. So then they start thinking, okay, which room, which room are we going to make the baby's room? Uh, okay. Uh, what do we, how are we going to decorate it? Okay. Uh, you know, I'm going to go buy some cute clothes. I'm going to go, you know, we'll, we'll stock up on some diapers. Uh, you know, aunt Sherry, she's going to have a baby shower for us. We'll register from, you know, for some other stuff, you know, everybody gets ready for baby, but getting ready for childbirth for that day, for that powerful moment where you hold your baby for the first time to make sure that you have a healthy baby, that your baby has the best chance right from the start, that's the most important thing. And I think that's a mindset that we have to, you know, start instilling in the, you know, the younger generation. Of course, this is coming from an old person. <laughs> so, so, but, you know, especially what I'm trying to instill, you know, in my kids is just this whole preparing. So to go back to your question with mom and dad and the partnership, it's also helping to guide each other to do, you know, more, more than just, you know, get the house ready for baby and the cute outfits and whatnot. But and then working together and then listen, dads, mom needs to mentally focus and physically focus on getting baby delivered. So mom staring at baby's heart rate is probably not going to happen unless she's somebody like me. Um, so you know what? You've got to be the one to learn how to read the baby's heart rate. And again, if you're just, you just need to know enough to be like, mm, that doesn't look really good. Let me go ask the doctor. And once they, once they're alerted, once the nurses, I mean, they, they're on it. It's just more of an issue in these cases a lot of times where they're just, you know, because they can't just be at your bedside 24-7, you know, things may be a little bit delayed or overlooked or whatnot. So, again, that's why it's important for the parents. So, you know, you guys taking your certain roles and who's going to, you know, mom's going to be focusing on baby. Dad's going to be making sure baby's okay. And then afterwards, you know, well, it, well listen, if you're a good partnership together, you have a nice, healthy baby. Then now I just give you advice from, you know, my life, um, but just working together to raise those kids and be a great family unit. Yeah, absolutely. And Adina, uh, you can take this next question any direction you like, but I'm, I'm curious, 
to ask you about, on the other side of the coin, what's the most interesting thing that you've heard from uh, the medical professionals on the other side of the operating or the delivery table about the, the amount of care or uh, their concerns when it comes to childbirth and the way that we currently do it. So what's the other side of the coin in your perspective? And what do you think we will need to know from, from the medical professional's side of the equation as well? No, that's a great question. Listen, I have traveled, like I said, I have traveled this country more than once. I've been to almost every state in almost every healthcare system. And while some doctors may irritate me, the doctors I have met, almost all of them are good doctors, good caring doctors trying to do what is best for their patients, okay? You gotta remember, baby treating in a pregnant mom is can be difficult. Baby is inside you. Okay, much different than mom. You can look at mom. Ooh, mom doesn't, mom's not looking too good. Okay. Oh, mom's swollen. Uh, you, you know, a doctor or nurse can look at mom and come up with conclusions. And you know what? And if there's a question, guess what? They ask mom. Mom, you look like you're in pain. Are you in pain? Mom, yes, I am. Okay, where's the pain? You know, give, give me a score on your pain. What's your pain score? You know, whatever. Mom can respond. It's it's much, much, much different than, you know, a baby. A baby, they're looking at all these different indicators, and then they're using their training, their knowledge and experience and making recommendations. So probably one of the most interesting parts of my case are the vast majority of doctors disagree when it comes to childbirth. So I will have a case that comes in and I'll send it to two experts, same type of doctor, OBGYN, MFM, depending on who it is, and they will look at the management or the care that mom and baby received during labor and delivery. And one doctor will tell me everything was done perfectly. And another doctor will tell me everything was done wrong. And then... I will go to the other side of the case and then I will start deposing their OBGYN experts or their MFM experts. And then they will start to tell me very, they'll have very, very different opinions on what should have been done or what was going on with baby or when baby should have been delivered. So bottom line is that all of these different doctors, because it is so you know, it can be so difficult to, you know, manage a pregnancy because babies inside mom, there's just all of these different opinions at all times. I, I don't, I can never think of a case because I've, I've been, especially with writing the book, where I've had two experts give me the exact same opinion because all of these doctors, you know, many times, you know, I don't know, I've had doctors from the same hospital, even I've had doctors from the same medical group on different sides of the case, meaning one doctor supported one side of the case and another doctor supported the other side of the case. And these doctors were partners at a medical practice. 
So it's, you know, it's, it's definitely probably one of the most interesting parts, but then it's also another reason why it is important for parents to have an understanding of what is going on with childbirth and labor and delivery, because while the doctors are trying their best and they have a lot of experience, they have a lot of medical knowledge, if parents know something, and you remember mom is the one where baby's inside you. So if you know, for instance, and this is in the book, if you are being induced with Pitocin, but then you start having some you know, severe pain in your abdomen or pain that maybe it's not severe, you wanna tell your doctor immediately, that could be bad. So, you know, you have to you have to know stuff like that to, to even just help your delivery team, help your doctors. You know, I had a labor and delivery nurse go through my book before it was published just to, to make sure we were all on the same page. And I remember that morning, you know, I had to talk to her and I'm like, oh, boy, let's see how let's see how this goes. And I was hopeful. And uh, she was like, she <laughs> I remember going, hello? And she was like, oh my gosh. She goes, if every patient knew what was in this book before they got to the hospital, she's like, my job would be so much easier. <laughs> she was she was like, this would be would, like a dream, <laughs> you know, because they have such a big job because if you go to the hospital, you don't know anything. You know, remember, you're relying on these people that you're meeting for the first time to explain everything to you. So, you know, you're... But anyway, so my to answer your question with the medical staff and the doctors and everybody, everybody is trying their best and they do have different opinions. But probably the most important thing is that if parents are educated and they have a good understanding of childbirth, it also helps them work with their delivery team a little bit better. So then, you know, that way we can all make you guys together make sure good decisions are made for a healthy baby. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Judah, I'm also uh, curious to get your thoughts on, on the method of childbirth, because, you know, home, to, uh, home birth with midwives are becoming more popular than going to a traditional hospital. So, so how important is it to research the method that you want to give birth to your child? child whether you want to do it uh, from a midwife or at home or versus a hospital how important and significant is it uh, for you to choose a method of uh, uh, childbirth during this process and how important is it from your perspective that people really do their research before making that type of a decision Yes, doing your research is huge. I actually had a home birth chapter in my book and I took it out. And of course, one of my first reviews was, why didn't you put home birth in there? And I'm like, I know, I know. Uh, but the way the book was set up, the book has actually been divided into two. So home birth will, will appear in a different um, in a different book. But when I wrote the home birth chapter, Listen, if you want to have a home birth, that's great. My job is to try to make sure that it's, it's as safe as possible. And 
And it all comes down to the midwife that you choose to be there. There are certain questions you need to ask your midwife. You need to you need to ask them, when are you going to take me to the hospital if something goes wrong? And if your midwife is anti-hospital, don't worry, I got this. That's a red flag and you should get a new midwife. So the chapter, which is not published, but listen, if you can go on my website and contact me if anyone's considering a home birth. I'll send you the chapter if the book's not out yet. Um, but there's definitely some considerations to make. Now, listen, if my kids came to me and they were like, hey, mom, um, should we do home birth or hospital? Um, I most likely would tell my children um, that I would prefer that they deliver the baby in the hospital. And it's because... Like I said, the only way or the best way we can figure out how baby's doing during childbirth is their heart rate. And if you're in the hospital, there's different kinds of ways, different fetal monitors that can watch your baby's heart rate. So <laughs> my, my, my poor kids will probably have the most invasive, accurate way to monitor the baby's heart rate the entire time, if, I, if I'm around, or that's at least what I would tell them. But, you know, whether it's just naturally, childbirth, you know, just naturally just puts, you know, some babies just don't make it. And if they get into trouble and you're at a hospital and your baby's heart rate is being monitored, you're going to know. If you're at a home birth and your baby's not being monitoring, you're not going to know. That's my, that's, that's what scares me. And not only that, if something does go wrong naturally and baby's born a little bit sick, if you're, if you're at home, the baby's not going to get that care it needs. Baby's going to get that care at the hospital. And depending on which hospital you're at, if you're at a higher level hospital, your baby's going to be able to get super specialized care that can really, you know, make the difference, um, you know, and how they recover from, you know, whatever it happened before birth. So that would be my thing. But listen, if you guys want to go natural and you have a good feeling, you know, that that's great too. I'm just saying how I would advise my kids and you have to keep in mind who is telling you this. It's the person who has, you know, seen the mistakes, the complications, you know, that happened during childbirth. And sometimes, you know, when a mistake is made, it's because something's happening to the baby and it's not picked up in time. So, you know, it, so just keep keep in mind when, you know, how I would advise my kids as a childbirth attorney. Um, you know, it may be different than how somebody else uh, advises their children or maybe something, you know, different or different view than somebody else. And that's fine, too. So, like I said, I did um, write a nice chapter on home birth and just making sure you select the right people to be there with you to give, you know, make sure you can take the precautions needed. Um, so anybody who needs that, please feel free to visit my website. Um, I'm sure it'll be in the uh, notes, but if not, it's just my name, GinaMundy.com, and I'd be happy to send you everything I have on it. Yeah, absolutely. No. Uh, Gina, what's the best part of your job? Oh, the best part of my job. Hmm. It's probably actually 
probably actually just learning about labor and delivery and childbirth. It's, it's, you know, the time when new life is born and how it happens and how your body's made, made to, you know, to, to bring life into the world. It's, it's amazing. So I, for me, it's just learning, learning, um, you know, everything I can. Um, and then because of what I have learned and what I have now, you know, when I get my text messages or my phone calls with, you know, questions from people, family, just family members. And and again, these the good story is always in the book. So you'll you'll see what I mean when you read the book. But uh, you know, just being able then to take that knowledge and, you know, almost be like a baby advocate, you know, in some ways and just say, Hey, did you, you know, think of some, you know, I know your doctor is saying low risk for, or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, do you, what does low risk mean? And, you know, kind of going through then, you know, my analysis, you know, as an attorney. So, but yeah, just learning, learning about every aspect of childbirth is always, I've always enjoyed that. You know, uh, Gina, there's a sign in my office that says, Life is a constant game of learning, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. Well said. Well uh, said. Absolutely. Adrina, I wanted to end on a two-part question. And the first part of that question is, as you know, we just celebrated a National Daughters Day a couple of days ago. And for you, what's the best part about being a mom and raising two incredible daughters and then finally uh, uh, when you think of your own personal and professional legacy how do you want that to be defined oh sure no i my daughters now are 19 uh, and 15 and just being able to watch them grow and change and become you know young adults is just there's nothing else like it um, but then I have my son, I had him older and uh, when I was a little older, so he's nine and he's in fourth grade and he's, you know, he's just funny and it's, it's fun watching even the difference between the, you know, how my son is versus how my daughters are. So yeah, I just watching them grow and just trying to enjoy those last few years before they, before they leave me, um, has been awesome. And in terms of my legacy, I'm, I feel like I'm halfway there. So how I want to end everything when, you know, the book's out and everything else, else is I want to, you know, really focus on being a philanthropist. Um, I'd like to take some of the sales from my book um, and whatnot, and then make sure that, you know, the clinics where they have like free care for expecting moms and whatnot, that they have the right resources for these moms to make sure that they can have a healthy baby, um, whether it's just donating piles and piles of my books, whether it's creating maybe something, you know, more short and sweet for them, um, whether it's meeting them and talking to them or just trying to be available for them. Um, just so, you know, even though they may not you know, have all the money, but they have, you know, they're just so excited to be a mom and they want to do the best that they can during childbirth, just making sure that they have access to, you know, my book and other information that will just make sure, you know, help them do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, Gina, for anyone that wants to get in contact with you or 
Uh, buy the book. What's the best way they can do that? Everything's on GinaMundy.com. That's just the easiest way. My name, G-I-N-A-M-U-N-D-Y.com. And then, yeah, and then Amazon is the easiest way to buy my book. So um, if you just jump on Amazon and there's a search bar, just put my name in the search bar. It pops up. You could put the name of the book. Um, I don't remember if I showed your audience or not, but it's a parent's guide to a safer childbirth. And if you put that in there, it pops up. So, yep, this it's not too hard to find me. And then on my website... Um, there is a contact Gina form and it has my email address and I'm not kidding you. The emails pop up on my phone. So it'll say you have a new message. It's actually I probably should turn my notifications off. But my point is I can still, when I'm sitting down at a doctor's office or something, I can, you know, I can check, um, and see my message pretty, pretty quickly. And I check them every day. So if you need anything, if you have any questions, especially if you've read my book and you're like, well, what's this or what's that? Or I'm going to do a Pitocin induction. Is there anything else I need to know? Email me. And then even from there, you know, I'm not opposed to talking to my readers on the phone or anything. Just, you know, what, whatever I can do to help. I, I've seen a unique side of childbirth and labor and delivery. And I just want to make sure that I'm a, you know, a resource to anyone who may need me. Well, fabulous, and I really want to thank you for having an extensive conversation with me on this most important topic, your work in the space of bringing uh, babies into the world safer is most appreciated, Gina, and I really want to thank you for engaging in conversation with me. It's most appreciated. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. It was such such an honor and pleasure to be on your uh your show. As I said before your show, I was able to research you a little bit. And I just believe what you are doing is amazing. And you are a great human. So likewise, you keep up the good work.